Welcome to another Jew and Gentile podcast. In fact, a very special Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one, the only, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm good. We're saying shalom, shalom to 2023. That's right. We're saying sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs> That's right. We're saying shalom to shalom. 2024. Well, no, shalom, shalom means I'll see oh, you later. Okay, shalom, shalom is I'll see you later. Right. And shalom is... When you say shalom, oh, you're here. Okay, you well, say shalom, <laughs> shalom, get out of here. <laughs> I think we're ready for 2023 to end, but hang on a minute. Here we go. Well, welcome in, welcome in. Um, we've got a big show for you. Steve, before we get there, Alice popped into my brain yesterday while I was scrolling through X, which is formerly Twitter. And um, I follow, you know the name Greta Van Susteren? Yes, I do. Okay, so Greta What's, Van... I don't, she used to be on Fox, but I don't know where she is now. She was on Fox, then she moved to MSNBC, and now... Oh, that's quite a change. It was, I, I think she got let go from Fox. I think MSNBC picked her up. And you gotta I, pay the rent. Giddy up. And so she, uh, anyway, I, I keep up, I don't keep up with her. I just follow her. I don't know why she, I even follow her, but whatever. So, um, but something made me laugh that she wrote and it made me think of Alice, your wife. Okay. She writes this yesterday. I know I will sound like a crank, but it seems a lot of people say 100% all the time to me. <laughs> Oh, she hates that. That is the phrase of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hundred percent, one hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll but have it made to me tell l- her about that. She doesn't <laughs> listen to our podcast. Well, sometimes she does. Maybe she listens to Greta Van Susteren. That's right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe she Maybe. likes her because she doesn't say one hundred percent all the time. That's right. She's gonna say, "I agree with that lady." <laughs> well, it's already our last podcast of the year. Uh, wait, do we have applause? Don't th- don't you I have don't, a button I, for this? Is- Yay! No, we we have all this. All seven people. We have this. Is anything okay? This is all my buttons are, are occupied with you. Well. Okay. I vase mirror. Maybe we could say that about twenty twenty three. I vase mirrors. And so the real question is, how is this show going to go? And we so, have a Jewish prognosticator. That's right. Thanks, thanks to our listeners. Uh, we have amazing gifts that came in, and one of them was a highball. Uh, <laughs> not a drink here. It's yeah. not a highball. Not a highball. <laughs> a highball. It's a highball. A life ball. A highball is from before I became a believer. <laughs> the highball is a Jewish uh, little thing that you have to ask a yes or no question. Well, well let's see what the highball has to say about our upcoming uh, podcast that we're doing right now. Is it worthwhile our seven listeners to stick around and listen? Here we go. Why not? Oh, why? <laughs> they're, they're probably saying, you know what? I'm on break now. Some people, many people are on break right now in between Christmas and New Year. So, okay, I'll give a listen. That's right. I'll give a little listen. Why not? Eh, why not? Well, Steve, it's uh, the last podcast of the year. Let's talk about what we're going to be doing for the show. First of all, we're going to be doing the math, Steve. Hey, we were going through the uh, math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did enlist two scholars. I have Rennie Showers and you have... Harold Honer. Okay. Very two foremost scholars uh, in their day. A hundred percent. And Rennie, I, I don't know, is Harold Horner with the Lord now? He is. Yeah. So they're both with the Lord. Uh, and now they're discussing their math mm-hmm. and, and to see if it matches. Well, Jesus knows the math. So there you go. Jesus knows the math. They're with him now. And the uh, equation, the algorithm solved. And you know what they're probably doing? They're saying, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let them down there. We're fine. Fair. We're, do- we're doing fine. <laughs> Th- that's right. Well, while we're down here, Steve and I are adding up years and multiplying. And oh, yeah, do you, I, you know what I, I did with my kids this year in fifth grade is that they're learning how to do the the multiplication, division, um, the, the 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 parentheses, all those things. And there's that. Do you remember the saying? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. No, nope. you remember that? Nope. Please, you don't remember? Please excuse my dear. I think that's what it is. Where it's you, you start off with everything in the parentheses, and then you go into multiplication, division, or exponents. Don't and- you remember last podcast? I told you my math teacher said to me. Don't take any more math. <laughs> Don't take any more math. <laughs> uh, it was so good. So um, uh, anyway, we're going to be looking at Daniel's math. We've got some great news. But Steve, before we we go to any of that, we, we found some top tens. We did find some for top the tens. year. Now I got to find where they are. Top okay. tens for the year. Well, first, first of all, uh, yeah, right before we came on, I said, let's find the top 10 things that 
uh, happened in Israel or are happening in Israel. Mm-hmm. And while you were the looking year. that up, mm-hmm, I went, uh, we have a skeletal crew here at Friends of Israel, but I went to the different departments and asked them, what was your top event for 2023? And I put them together. So these are the certainly unscientific and not all the uh, proper people were here, but I went and put this list together. So this is the skeleton crew, Friends of Israel's top 10 list for 2023. Exactly. Okay. I first went to uh, Ministry Advancement, and we did a commercial for them, Chris, if you remember. Freewill.com. Freewill.com. Tell us a little bit about Freewill.com. Well, we we you and I had a competition on who could read the the ad the best for and freewill.com. You won hands down. I no, not we were tied, I think. In fact, no, I think you, you might have even won. That was that's another top ten of the podcast for the year, <laughs> is you you and I doing that. But um the free will is a opportunity that still I think exists it, to today. It sure does. They can go online. You can go online and Friends of Israel will provide a free will for you. You can update your will, whatever. I do believe it's foi.org forward slash free will. So don't so go it's to freewill.com is the number one thing from ministry advancement. Mm-hmm. Then I went to international and a lot of things happening in international. We're thankful for that. Uh, most of that concerns two places because there's two wars going on. Yeah. The war between Ukraine and Russia and uh, international has uh, ministered greatly, mainly using our Polish team uh, to go in and to minister to them. And also Israel and Hamas are at war and uh through the Ministry of International uh, uh, Friends of Israel, we were able to supply clothing. You know, it is winter. It's not terribly cold in Israel, but it's it's kind of like Southern California in the winter, Mm -hmm. Israel. And so we've supplied uh, clothing for several soldiers uh, in order to help them. Uh, Then I went to the executive uh, division, and nobody was there. Yep. But I already know what it is. I don't think I get any argument from our president, Jim Showers, and that's the completion of the studio. Oh, Uh, yeah. The studio. You can comment about that. You've been in that studio numerous times already. Tell us, uh, uh, because I would say that's the number one for executive. That's the number one for media. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. the, the, The studio to me is the... I mean, it makes our podcast room look like bupkis, you know? It's a fantastic uh, state-of-the-art video studio so that we can continue to teach biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah all around the world um, and expand our footprint when it comes to teaching uh, and reaching new audiences. And so that was a vision of uh, Jim's for a while now, and and it was finally saw its completion this year, and it was inaugurated, and they're using it now. So our radio program is done out of the new studio, and there's new videos coming out all the time. Prophecy you conference. Did, yep, prophecy conferences. You just did a video while you were th- you were, uh, there a couple of weeks ago in the studio, so or a couple of days ago. So anyway, it's uh, it's it's really great to see that launched. So then I went to tech, uh, Dan Pearson, and he said the number one thing was the complications involved in integrating uh, the wiring here and the studio. <laughs> I do remember So that. I guess that was a big thing. And so uh, he's thankful. Number one thing for them is the integration with the studio. For the Jew and the Gentile podcast, what's our number one thing? The mug on a mug. Mug on a mug. I know some people have bought it. More than seven have donated. Uh, and we're thankful for them. And there, I think there's still some available. There are still some available, but that's right. We did give out more than seven, uh, which but, is great. So that means, uh, but we also know that one of our listeners uh, bought 15 of them. So. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so when you sit there and go, see, I told you you have more than seven listeners. Well, one bought 15. So and she w- bought them to bribe people to listen. <laughs> they don't know who we are. So she bought them so that she could hand them out and maybe they'll listen. That's our best friend, Patty Larson. And we're thankful. Uh, then I went to finance, uh, and of course the idea of putting to bed, uh, the finances as it relates to the studio. There was was a huge, uh, building program that we had here for over almost a year. Mm -hmm. And so the finances for that were thankful. And then I went to you as the director of North American ministries and said, what's the number one thing for you? 
I said uh, the launch of the Tikva team. We have a volunteer network of almost 50 volunteers serving all around the United States and Canada, some in Europe. We even have volunteers that want to serve in Africa, Ethiopia, Ama- Indonesia. In 2022, we had zero. We had none. And today, we have 50. We have 50 vo- uh, official uh, FOI volunteers. So if you'd like to become an official FOI volunteer, which means all you know, you just give us you know a, a small amount of your time a year to maybe help promote the ministry or uh, promote something in your local church or go to a, a synagogue and say hello to the P- Jewish people around you, whatever the case might be. Uh, we want to get you connected. So if you're interested in that, be sure to reach out to us here. Uh, you can you can find out ways to get involved. Uh, and so uh, the Tikva team is a great way, and you get a T-shirt and you get a swag a box. T-shirt. I'm telling a you, t-shirt. get the whole shebang. So it's that's great. nice. But the number one. For 2023, Chris, and not just in our department, but throughout Friends of Israel, are our supporters. Mm -hmm. That is those folks who make it possible for all of us here at Friends of Israel. Every single person, no matter what their particular ministry is, all of us depend on our supporters uh, because we're a faith organization. And so we are thankful for our supporters. 100%. And uh, I'm so thankful to our supporters, especially our supporters who purchase the mugs, the supporters who are helping advance FOI Equip, uh, the supporters who helped during the war, all of these amazing prayer supporters, financial supporters, all of it is what helps the Friends of Israel continue to move forward as God compels you to pray, uh, to give. It's just an, uh, we're so thankful for those uh, who who are in the Friends of Israel family as our supporters. And uh, so we just want to give a big thank you to you. You are our number one reason of our top 10. But Israel has top 10s as well. Can I read us some of these, Please Steve? read us All some. right, so here are some of the top 10 events in Israel throughout the year that maybe you want to know about because, uh, you know, when tourism picks back up again, maybe this is something you want to do. You know, Steve, there are a lot of people that I think listen to this podcast. They've been to Israel once. Maybe they've been to Israel twice. But I know that there are some people who go, you know what, this time when I go back, maybe it's their third, fourth time, whatever it is. Now when I go back, I'm going to rent a car and I want to go do something off the tourist track, off the Bible tour, which that's what some of these events are. Well, we got this list from Israel Rail. That's right. Israel Rail. That's right. It's it's the explore (laughs) Israel by train. That's right. Can you imagine (laughs) going through New Jersey by train? People do it all the time, but Touring by train. But it's, Israel, it makes it right. sound like it's going to be some long, you know, multi-hour trip going through <laughs> Switzerland or something like this is like uh, what it's going through uh, a couple hours. How long could it take to get from one side of Israel to the other? Israel rail. I like that. But this is the top 10 events. The first one is called the Birkat Kohanim in Jerusalem. It's an awe-inspiring celebration. Birkat Kohanim sees tens of thousands of people gathering at the hotel <laughs> In, uh, at the Western Wall to witness the priestly blessing. Jewish men belonging to the Kohanim tribe cover their head with their prayer shawl and bless the crowd with a millennia-old prayer during the morning prayer. And so that is the Birkat Kohanim, which is just awesome. So that's in uh, in Jerusalem. The next one, Steve, I don't know, maybe you should do this. Thank you for that the, drink, by the, the way. The Tel Aviv Night Run, the 10-kilometer race that takes place at nighttime, and 25,000 participants uh, run in this t- Tel Aviv night run. Amazing. I, could you, I don't know if I could run I'm at not, night. I'm not going to run at night. <laughs> I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> now, at night, I'm ready to just relax. I don't know if I'm ready to pick up and start running. The next one wait, is... Wait, wait. Open to anyone over 14 who can present a doctor's note right. attesting their fitness levels. Oh. Right, that eliminates me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even walk. I you know maybe you got to maybe it's a full on sprint. Uh, now the next one is my kind of thing. Well, Go here's ahead. the thing. It's funny that it starts with the, uh, it starts with the Tel Aviv night run, but then it goes to this: the Taste of Galilee Food Festival, set in the green and relaxing Galilee region. This annual celebration of Israeli gastronomy will appeal to foodies. The week long event features workshops, special events hosted by restaurants in the area, as well as focus on specific local you're produce. A, you're a foodie, Chris. Oh, I love. You're a foodie too. I am a foodie. Yeah, I like. I'd love to go to the Galilee Food Festival. Well, you know, we are, you and I have batted around the idea of going to Israel to do a Jew and Gentile podcast. We've been invited out. 
we have, have friends from Beit Halochem to come out and do one. So maybe we can make a pit stop up at the Taste of the Sea of Galilee Food Festival and do a podcast there, too. Well, Chris, uh, we have sad news that one of the things scheduled every year in, well, technically it's in the Palestinian Authority. It's uh, the West Bank or Judea Samaria. And that is Christmas in Bethlehem. But that didn't happen. Nope, they year. canceled it. They canceled it in honor, the Palestinians, I should say. Yes, yes. Canceled it in honor of Hamas martyrs. That's the reason they did. Yes, they did. So Christmas was canceled, although not at your house, I understand. Not at all. And not at our house either. No, Christmas was in full swing at the Katolka house. That's right. So they could cancel it in Bethlehem, where the Christ child was born, but they can't cancel it, period. What time did your kids get up in the morning during Christmas did, were they, are they? I was up always before. Ever, I got up early. I put uh, when I was in Chicago. Put fire. Uh, put logs in the fireplace. Wow, you're amazing. Uh, yeah, I love doing that. And we always had chocolate chip pancakes. Oh, we do breakfast too. But so uh, what, they you were up early. They were up early. Like what's seven, early? Seven. Oh, seven, seven is bupkis. My kids are up at five thirty in uh, the morning. No, no we no. said go back to bed. <laughs> My one son comes in at two in the morning and he goes, I can't go to sleep. Well, I don't know what to do, Dad. I said, you just got to go close your eyes, son. He goes, I just, I I can't sleep. My brain is working. I'm on, you know, it's overdrive. I'm thinking about my presence. I'm like, just Were they happy? To- Were they happy? Oh, they loved them. Oh, good. oh yeah. yeah so sometimes it's high tensity, you know? Oh, I didn't get what I wanted. Oh, yeah, no. Kind of- I mean, there's always that kind of, you know, especially I have twins. You have twins. But you had a girl and a boy. Yep, it was pretty easy. I had a boy. I have a boy and a boy that are you very gotta similar. Diff- you got to get them different well, things. And then they, but then they hear, oh, so-and-so got this. I, I kind of wanted. But it all panned out. And this year was the first year where it wasn't toy related. Even with our youngest, it was just. It was close. close. And they love. I'm like this when I was six years old. Like my youngest son, I wanted toys. I didn't want clothes. He wanted a cross necklace. He wanted his nice, you know, sh- sneakers like his brothers. You know, so it was funny. So anyway, very, oh, very interesting. All right, so Steve, the next one is so we're gonna go from the Galilee in the north, and now we're gonna go down to the Red Sea Jazz. This is where I want to go, Steve. The Jazz Festival in a lot. Not one just for jazz aficionados. This well-established festival taking place in the south of Israel will also welcome music, world music from the Balkans to Cuba, Middle Eastern sounds, and pop music. Around 35 events are held with the magnificent dra- backdrop of the Red Sea and Elat. A great feature of this festival happening in the winter and summer is the free jam sessions. <laughs> well, I don't. I, will they be running this while the war is going on? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. What about the Jerusalem Marathon? Now, this I know they did run this year. Be- okay, be- good. I believe they ran it because. Um, no, I know they ran it because this year. Oh yeah, March seventeenth. They said they ran it. Well, what happened this year is awesome. Is that one of our former interns, Bucci? Uh, he went on our one of our volunteer trips to Israel, which is called Hesed. And so while he was there, he called me. Well, before he was going over, he called me because he runs marathons. He said, Chris, do you think Friends of Israel would mind if I break away from the from the volunteerism to go run the Jerusalem Marathon? And I said, you got you to gotta ask the guy running it. So he did, and he, and he ended up running the Jerusalem Marathon nice. while he was there. So we've had, we have some Friends of Israel representation. I, that is very neat. There, there were uh, some 30... 30- thousand participants oh yeah and bucci was one of them bucci was one of them and actually bucci loved it but you know who hates it is bruce scott because bruce scott says every every time we run hesed bruce runs our volunteer program every time we run hesed this marathon is going on in jerusalem and the roads are closed <laughs> the roads are closed we can't go anywhere so anyway Zygazen. Zygazen. Now, what's this white night in Tel Aviv? Okay, I know this because it happens in the summertime, and when I used to lead Origins, it was a big deal. And it's we they call it in English white night, but in Hebrew, it's called Lila Levan, uh, which is white night in Hebrew. But it's called, it's dubbed the city that never sleeps, Tel Aviv, lines up its vibrant re- reputation during Lila Levan, where an event where music is played all night long around the city. Can you- oh, terrific. <laughs> That's right. Can I just go to bed? Turn it down. You know, unbelievable. So anyway, main concerts are held at the Balik Square, Shuk HaKarmel, Rothschild Boulevard, and Kikar Rabin. Uh, while parties and gigs can be found at many of the various clubs in Tel Aviv and Jaffa. Then we have the Klezmer Festival in Safed. 
Oh, this sounds like fun, actually. It, it does. Set in the atmosphere of Old City Safed, this three-day open-air festival celebrates uh, the melancholic, soulful, and also joyful music from Eastern Europe, Klezmer. It resonates in the alleyways hosting artists' galleries, while workshops are organized for children around themes of storytelling and, of course, music. 100%. So, Klezmer. Nice. Klezmer's nice. a good one. And there's the last one here, Steve. Uh, I think you might have skipped over it here. I'm sorry. It's okay. Jerusalem Festival of Lights. Stunning display of artwork, statues, and installations ah. using lights as a medium for impressive background. I've done this before, actually. Background of Old City Walls delights visitors to Jerusalem. 250,000 people. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Actually, uh, when I did the uh, Israel Media Summit, uh, or the Christian Media Summit in Israel a couple years ago... Um, they took all of us to the old city in Jerusalem, and the, these laser lights shine like HD right up on the old. You don't even realize you're in Jerusalem anymore. The way that they turn the walls into kind of like a canvas to paint all these laser light paintings and all this other amazing stuff. There's Van Goghs that'll go in front of you and things like that. And you're just sitting there in the old city of Jerusalem, but you feel like you're in an art museum uh, in the 21st century. It's a very weird feeling. And then all the lights turn off and you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's a thousand year old wall in front of me. You, you don't even realize where you are. It's an amazing experience. That, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, we didn't talk about this, Chris, but we're doing top 10 this, top 10 that. So tell us in the Katolka household, I'm not going to ask you for 10. Give me whatever your number is. Say top three or four or even five, if you have it off the top of your head. What What events happened in the Katolka home that mm. our seven listeners would be interested. Well, the big one is my son is in first, like my, my youngest is in first grade. So we've got everybody in Out school. Out of the house. Happy day. Happy day. Everybody's in school and everyone's thriving in school, which is a, which is a big one. Uh, the next, we, this year in 2023, we were able as a family to go to Dallas um, when I was doing a couple of Passovers down there. And that's always a lot of fun to be able to take the family on a trip. That's and then, great. And then we just did Florida for, we got down to Florida and we actually had a vacation, which was fantastic. So um, we had a great time. And so I would say that's two and three. Um, everybody is healthy and thriving. Here's the, the 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 end of the year kicker though, okay? Which I think you'll get a kick out of and our listeners will too. I was just helping my wife with the kids at the dentist a couple hours ago. Two of them cavity free. The other two, tons of cavities. And <laughs> which which ones? Okay, so Cohen, who's not happy about it, because he, I believe he's telling the truth. He says I am the one who brushes my teeth the most. So he was frustrated that he has all these cavities now. And so uh, Olive, how'd she do? No cavities. Preston, no cavities. Levi, cavities. Um, but it's just funny because they give you the bill. They say, hey, this is what you'll have to pay. And you're going, even with insurance, you're going, ay, ay, ay. and that's just one. There's two of them. Uh, and then they go, well, you have to come in stages because we can only work. Of course, they've got like a cavity up here, a cavity down here, a cavity over here. And so now we have to come three different times to take care of the different quadrants of the mouth. So anyway, it's just that's how we're ending the year. But all all very positive things. Great. Yeah. And the Herzog household Alice and I were able to do some traveling for ministry, uh, but the highlight certainly was going to Germany. We had a great time oh, in yeah. Germany and had a wonderful opportunity to minister uh, and stand with Israel during the war in a town. I know we talked about it, but it still boggles my mind that I'm in a German town where my father came from Normandy through France into Germany, a liberated uh, and defeated Nazism, liberated uh, 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 the Jewish people, uh, part of the greatest generation. And there I am in a city uh, that is 60% Muslim, standing in support with German people, a synagogue standing with the Jewish people mm. in Germany. That's what amazing. an amazing thing. So That's amazing. That was a highlight of 2020. And you were able to break the uh, sound, the the silent room. That Well, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> you broke the silent <laughs> yeah, room. We did break the silent room. I never heard of one before. And then I found out while I was doing it, I said, oh, they can't hear me. And they heard it. <laughs>
That was great. Well, why don't we turn to Daniel chapter let's, nine? Let's make, right, let's, let's try finally to finally get some sense here. Let's out try of the to do nonsense. We've been we've talking been doing about. Uh, top ten. Well, now we're going to do uh, the seventieth week of Daniel. It's all about numbers on this podcast. Um, so w- last week we actually highlighted, uh, I think, one of the coolest passages in Daniel. You know, we oftentimes go to all of the prophecy, which is fantastic, but Daniel's prayer of repentance is incredibly important to the to the because really if you think about prophecy in the old testament and even in the new testament prophecy is always built around god's call to his people to return to him it's always you know it's not just people have to you know when you're reading through the bible you have to understand that these weren't just prophets who were prognosticating about the future a prophet was somebody who was reading the jerusalem post of his day and kind of getting the spiritual um, uh, um, temperature uh, of what the people of Israel were going through at that time. So he would read the newspaper, go, oh, look at all these horrible things that are going on. This is against God's law. And then he would say, this is what's going to happen to you if you continue to act this way. So he would give a prophecy, and then he would say, turn and repent. Turn and repent. This is an opportunity to turn and repent. I think it's a great message. I'm not trying to connect America to Israel. But I still think nations have opportunities to turn and repent. It certainly couldn't hurt. It, <laughs> it couldn't hurt. But Look, here is a great... Chris, read, just let me read verse 20 again. I think it's important, be, underscoring exactly what you're saying. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you the skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Chris, this is, I think this is more important. Yeah. Uh, you can make the argument, look, the Lord's going to accomplish his purpose. He's sovereign. But all the, the information comes after Daniel prays. Mm-hmm. And he's praying with a sincere heart. And uh, as soon as he started to pray, Gabriel tells him the answer was coming. That's an amazing thing. That's right. It was predicated on prayer. Exactly. You know, it's it's just a great reminder that, you know, I guess sometimes when we are praying, we wonder, is God hearing us? Is God responding? Daniel probably felt that way many times. Are you listening? Um, and here God was going to respond. You know, um, I you have um, the, the great scholar Rennie Showers. I, I have the great scholar Harold Honer. And he actually, you know, in talking about these, uh, these uh, 77s is what we'll talk about. They're weeks. We call them weeks, but in, in Hebrew, it's literally 77s, so 70 times 7. But because there's seven days in a week, we call them the the weeks, because actually it's the same Hebrew word. Weeks and seven is, is essentially the same word. So it's interesting because Harold Honer says, you know, there are these, there's a reason that Israel ended up in captivity in, in, in Babylon, which is where Daniel's receiving this. So Daniel is writing in the midst of the 70 year of 70 years of exile of captivity. And Jeremiah was writing about that. Exactly. And so Daniel is able to look back and and it's it, Harold Honer picks up on this and says the reason they're in captivity is because they actually violated 77s or 70 weeks of sabbatical years according to Leviticus chapter 26 verses 34, 35 and 43. So looking back they violated 490 years of keeping sabbatical years. They were supposed to rest the land. They never rested it according to aye, biblical. Yeah, <laughs> And you didn't even press I, that. That, that was perfect. It was perfect. So Daniel is in the captivity of 70 years, looking back at their, their sins in the past for not keeping the sabbatical years, now looking forward to another 77s, um, which is another 490 years of God restoring and rebuilding and uh, and returning the glory of Israel uh, um, uh, back to its place. And so it's really the 77s is a it's it's a picture of prophecy from where Daniel's standing, but it's also giving hope to Daniel after his repentance. God responds out of Daniel's repentance. 
It's interesting uh, that uh, uh, Rennie Showers in his book, and by the way, we sell this book, uh, The Most High God. Uh, Rennie wrote this a number of years ago, uh, and he talks about uh, the 77s, and uh, he says the eighth significant thing to note about the Daniel 9 prophecy is this. The 70th seven of years did not follow immediately after the first 69 sevens of years. And Chris, that is a statement that's controversial amongst theologians, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, big time. Tell big- us how that there's this view of some that the 77s run consecutively. Uh, that they they are 490 years, and when it's up, that's it. It's already happened, and everything is fulfilled. It has to do with your interpretation of the uh, and your dating of the Book of Revelation, because if you're reading through the Book of Revelation, uh, I, Steve, you and I are premillennialists. That means we believe Jesus will return prior to his uh, um, coming to establish his kingdom on Earth. Where there, so that makes us premillennial. Um, the the thousand year kingdom on earth, where if you go back, there are other people that believe we're already in the kingdom. Those are people who don't believe in a thousand year rule of Christ. Uh, they're called amillennialists. The kingdom is right now in now, this. Moment. I was I was a premillennialist before I was even a Christian. Oh, really? I believe that there is a literal, physical kingdom that the Messiah a, would bring. That he would bring, uh, and. That's why, for me at least, when I've heard the gospel, it blended in perfectly with uh, with what I believed growing up. I believed in the Messiah, and we need Messiah. We need Messiah now. We we've talked about that. How uh, a Schneerson, uh, Mendel Schneerson, the rabbi, the Rebbe, who's deceased. Many people think he is the Messiah, but you could see posters back in the day when he was alive. We need Messiah now. And I wrote an article just uh, this year, early on, about a poster that I saw that Schneerson's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. He's coming <laughs> back. Well, that's still millennial. Yeah. That's a belief that we're not in a kingdom yet. We're waiting for a kingdom that you, people in on the earth will be able to see a substantial difference, wonderful difference between the way things are now here on planet earth and what they're going to be like when the Messiah comes on planet Earth. And Chris, it doesn't only involve us as redeemed people. It involves the Earth itself, and not everybody agrees with that. And the, and the church age that we're in right now is the mystery that Paul was talking about um, in the New Testament. And that's why, again, there's that there's kind of a break. You'll notice there are these really important breaks in, as you're reading through the text and you're doing your math, if you will, there are these important breaks that happen, and one of the important breaks is that break between the 69th week and the 70th week. There's an intentional break there, um, and and that's going to be kind of that the church age, which is not a mistake to God. It's nothing that is out of God's uh, sovereignty. Um, it was intentional. The church age isn't an accident at all. That's not what we're, we're saying. But what we are saying is that it was a mystery because the the Old Testament didn't necessarily reveal all of those things leading up to the church age. Um, and so, again, that's why the Apostle Paul talks about the importance, the mystery of Jews and Gentiles as one in Christ in this time period in anticipation of his return. That's why Paul and all the apostles were always writing in light of the coming of Christ, because they were always thinking about that 70th week that would come which would give way to ultimately the glory of the Messiah coming and establishing his reign. Well, you know, that mystery is kind of played out here at the Jew and the Gentile podcast. That's right. We have the Sorig, which was around the temple, uh, that had a sign, Chris, no Gentiles allowed. There was no Jew and Gentile podcast going on (laughs) back then because Jews were allowed access. Gentiles could only go so far. And Paul writes about this And the church, the marvelous thing about the church is that Paul says in Ephesians, the middle wall of partition, that's that soaring, has been kicked down, Chris. Mm -hmm. It's down. That means that you and I, any Jewish or Gentile person who trusts in the Messiah of Israel, the Lord Jesus, are brothers or sisters in Christ worshiping together. Mm -hmm. And so... That's the that's really how the Jew and the Gentile podcast exists. It comes together two people in Christ 
but one of them's Jewish and one of them is Gentile, made possible through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection. What right. a what a great thing. And the prophets didn't know that there'd be a Jew and Gentile podcast. That's right. they, they didn't know that uh, Jews and Gentiles together will be able to access the throne. And that's what you and I do. Before we do any podcast, Chris, tell our, tell our seven listeners, we pray. We pray for them. We pray for us, hoping that we'll make sense of all this nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> We, we need a lot of prayer for that. Well, listen, let's do a little math here, because in starting in twenty uh, in verse 24, um, now that Daniel is uh, um, uh, repented and now Gabriel uh, is going to respond and God's going to reveal this amazing message here of, uh, of the future. And it says in verse 24, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression and to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, and to bring ever uh, bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision, prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Verse twenty five. So that's the purpose for all of this. We have we did that last week. That's right, and we are able to say with with, with accuracy that what 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 God is talking about is four hundred and ninety years, uh, and so we're looking in total. At 490 years, now what's going to happen is God's going to come in and divide up how those 490 years, events that will take place within those 490 years. So it says this in verse 25, no one understand this, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So now all of a sudden, we're talking about the division of of uh, 69, we're looking at 69 weeks here. Yep. And there's a division that takes place within the 69 weeks. So if you heard that, we talked about seven sevens and then 62. So seven plus 62 is 69 weeks. But there's some, there's a break that happens in there. Um, and that break happens within the first seven weeks, which is 49 years. Okay. I know that, but seven times seven is 49. So we're at 49 years. And Steve, maybe you want to highlight what 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 he's t- what uh, well, Daniel's uh, receiving? Yes, this I'm vision. reading from Rennie Showers, and he says this: uh, the fifth significant thing to note concerning the prophecy in Daniel nine is this: the time when Messiah would present in his first coming, verse twenty five. Gabriel said that the time from the issuing of the decree until the Messiah, the Prince, would be sixty nine sevens of years. Sixty nine times equals four hundred eighty three years. In other words, 483 years after 445, now there's a difference between Honer and Showers yep. of about eight months here. But he's actually saying, uh, many scholars are convinced uh, that it would take 49 years, that's that first seven times seven, uh, 49 years uh, of the decree to complete the rebuilding of Jerusalem. It took that long because the Jews met much opposition to the rebuilding activity in Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, chapter 6, 1 to 7, 4. So those first 49 years, the breaking up of that 69 is uh, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Okay. And so maybe some people are going, well, how are you calculating these years? So that's where I'm going to go to our my scholar here, yep. Harold Honer, because he actually has a section on calculating the year. Thank God he does. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so it, this comes from his book, which I highly encourage anybody to buy. They can get it on Amazon. It's called The Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ. It's an amazing book that looks at many different chronological components of the life of Christ, and that Daniel's 70th week is in here. And he writes this, Calculation with the 360-day year. The solution that is the most plausible is the one introduced by Robert Anderson. He proposed that the length of the year should be calculated as 360 days. He called these 360-day years prophetic years. This makes good sense for several reasons. First, with the modern astronomy, one can reckon a year very precisely as being 365.242-19879 days. So we you know sound, what's going on in my head right yeah. now? Yada, 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 yada. <laughs> so, or 365 days, 5 hours and 48 minutes. 45 seconds, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But then he says, however, in ancient times, various uh, systems were used. 
When one investigates the calendars of ancient India, Persia, Babylonia, and Assyria, Egypt, Central and South America, and China, it is interesting to notice that they uniformly had a 12, 12, 30-day months, a few had 18, 20-day months, making a total of 360 days for the year, and they had various methods of intercalculating days so that the year would come out correctly. Although it may may be strange to present uh, present-day thinking, it was common in those days to think of a 360-day year. Now, he goes through many other reasons to use it. He says, third, outside of prophetic literature, the 360-day year is, is used one other time in the Bible. Genesis 7, 11 states that the flood began on the 70th day of the second month. According to Genesis 8, 4, the flood entered on the 70th uh, 17th day of the seventh month, exactly five months later. Genesis 7, 24 and 8, 3 state that the duration of the flood was 150 days, hence five months equals 150 days, or each month equals 30 days. So he goes on and on with many, many calculations. One thing is for sure, both your scholar, Honer, and my scholar, Showers, look to Sir Robert Anderson as the, uh, the guru of the math mm-hmm. and accept his calculations uh, as, as they try to interpret the text. What's interesting, Chris, and I think for those who are still with us <laughs> yeah. after we went through all these numbers. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, though. I, it, I think so. That's but right. But 483 years after the decree was given, something that both Horner, Showers, Katulka, and Herzig agree, mm-hmm. what was the event? And it was an important event. And it, whether the, regardless of how we do the math, we believe and know that it was at the appointed time. When the fullness of time began, God sent his son. What, that, that was to be born. And when the fullness of time in God's mind needed to come about, he is presented as king. That's right. And that is, so after the, uh, after the time that we're talking about, the 483 years, which is what you mentioned. Um, that, That's with all the days, 173,000 plus days. It comes to the exact moment when Christ is presented. That's right. And it says the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. And so he actually, that's what the, the NIV says. Uh, I know like, New King James says cut off. Cut off. That's and what the way, that's the actual Hebrew word is to be cut, cut off. Cut off. And that's, imp- Chris, that's important language because for the non horner or non showers who's reading the text, they know what put to death means and they know what cut off means. Yeah, that's right. And so here is a big moment because it actually ends the, the, the 69th week ends with the death of Christ, which is very important. The anointed one. And maybe you're going, well, I don't see Christ in there. That anointed one, we've said this a, a, a bajillion times on, on the Jew and Gentile podcast, it's, it means Christ. It means Messiah. The Messiah will be put to death. And so, again, you have even in, in you know, a lot of times uh, Jewish people, even the disciples, Steve, they didn't expect the Messiah to die. Nope. But, but here in Daniel's 70th week, we see that there was an anticipation of the death of the anointed one, which is but the Messiah. Notice what it says in verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Mm. That is important. It, the Messiah didn't deserve to be cut off. He didn't deserve death. But Daniel prophesies he's going to be cut off, but it's not because of him. Yeah. That's an amazing statement to make way before Jesus is born. Well, and it's kind of a one-phrase summary of Isaiah 53, just kind of wrapped up right in there. I love it when the Bible does that. It kind of takes a larger passage and even sums it up even more quickly. But you're right. It's talking about the end of, or the death of the Messiah. After 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come to destroy the city and sanctuary. So now we're Very important. Yep. Now we're at 70 AD. Now we jump. That's the thing that's amazing about Daniel 70th week. I actually think there's great correlation between Daniel 70th week and Revelation 12. There is this, Revelation 12 flies through history, uh, present day moment, and prophecy. Let's get to it. Just get right through all of what God sees in one glance. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is is put to death. 
we're we're assuming is burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then what happens is that just as Jesus prophesied, the holy place is is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. Uh, the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Okay, so now Jesus— We got to go back, Chris, to verse 26. Uh, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city. So we, we know who that was. We know that it was Roman. Yep. We know that Rome was involved in the destruction of Jerusalem, right? That's right. So the future, and this is under debate, all kinds of debate as to the identity of the Antichrist. Who is this person? Well, court, at least according to Daniel, it's got to be somebody who comes out of the same group of people who destroyed Detroit. Jerusalem, yep. uh, the temple in Jerusalem. Yep. So he has. That's why a lot of people believe he's of Roman descent from the revised. You can't, you can't blame him. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's right there. And so he says he will. Th this now we're fast forwarding. Okay. So Jesus is, dies. He's cut off. The Messiah is cut off. The um, the temple is destroyed in seventy A.D. And now all of us. And then we're we're getting a glimpse of an antichrist who would come out of this. Roman, revised Roman Empire, and then all of a sudden we're now flying fast forward into the future because now we're waiting for this week, this one more week. We we ended on the 69th week. Now we have one more week to go, and we know there's a separation here, uh, which shows that this is an event that will take place in the future because these things haven't happened yet. Exactly, and it says confirm a covenant, not write a covenant, confirm a covenant. Mm -hmm. Many people wonder, and I'm one of them, is there something already written? Or is there a series of written documents that are going to be kind of shuffled together to confirm what already exists? Or is this going to be, you know, a brand new, get out a, a new piece of paper and write a covenant? I really believe that some of the things that have been written already will be used that's just my opinion i like that that's good i'll take yours is are you did you write a book no i didn't write a book because <laughs> i can't do the math that's right. i i need sir robert anderson I to like do the it. math uh, do you want to go back and reread that section on 360 days <laughs> no no please <laughs> spare me well it says this he will confirm a covenant with many for for one seven uh, in the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. So again, this is uh, gives us insight as to you know a lot of people go well. Why do they? Why does there need to be a temple again? There, why why do, why do the Jewish people need to rebuild a temple? Why are Christians so concerned with you know the fact that there will be a third temple? Well, we know here in Daniel's seventieth week that there has to be a temple for these events to take place in the future. Not that Christians are trying to rebuild it. That should be you know it's very important to do this. A lot of books are written, and there's a lot of hot air that's talked about on these um, documentaries about Israel going back to the land and evangelical Christians like Steve and myself who love and support Israel and Jewish people, like we're waiting for the day of Armageddon to come because Israel's back in the land. That's not the reason that we're, we're thankful that Israel's back in the land. We're thankful because it shows God's faithfulness over and over and over again. But this is important because we're not the ones that are talking about a future temple. The Jewish people have been trying to rebuild a temple for thousands of years. And here, even in Daniel's prophecy, it gives light of the fact that there will be a temple in the future. And Paul picks up on the same thing as well. Well, so does Jesus. In, That's exactly In right. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15, uh, I have a Bible that has—it's called a red letter Excuse Bible. me. And so when you open up to Matthew 24 and 25, it's all red. Yep. It's the longest preaching that Jesus does recorded. And he talks about an abomination that causes desolation. And the only abomination that causes desolation when the temple is standing has anything to do with the sacrifice and the temple and keeping it kosher. We celebrated Hanukkah, Chris, mm -hmm. and talked about uh, what Antiochus did. And he put a pig on the altar. That was an abomination. So whatever abomination is going to happen after the temple is rebuilt, it has to be worse, worse than killing a pig on the altar. Yeah. And so we and we talked about that when we did the book of Revelation, which took us I don't know what a year to yeah. do the book of Revelation. 
A long time. A long time. Uh, and so that's that's really significant, and it's rooted here in Daniel chapter 9. Jesus always gives insights as to the tribulation temple, which is what we're talking about here, the third temple. I even think uh, one time I was in a, when I was at Dallas Seminary, I had historical Jesus with Daryl Bach, and there were students there that were saying, do you really believe there'll be a millennial temple? And he said, I do. Uh, and they go, well, what proof do you have of this outside of, you know, Ezekiel? He goes, Jesus said there would be one. And uh, and this is the millennial temple, not the tribulation temple. And they go, well, what was it? He says, during the Passover, uh, he says, I'm not going to take this cup and drink it with you, but I will drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom, which means that they will be, you will be celebrating an, uh, aspects of the Passover Seder, which require, in Jesus' day, required a temple. And so he goes, this is great reason that even Jesus is for, forecasting forward a, a, a rebuilt, or I mean, a, a, a millennial temple in the future where he will drink that last, the cup of acceptance with us all in my Father's kingdom. I'll drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom, he said. And that happens during the Passover Seder. So anyway, I thought that's all very By the way, next year in 2024, you and I are going to be doing a Passover on Equip. 100%. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we're going to be doing a Passover demonstration online, and it's just going to be Steve at his house. I'll be at my house, and we'll have all the elements. Hey, that's (laughs) a long-distance Passover. That's right. And so you can go right now to foiequip.org, and you can register for that online Passover. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, so get over there now. It's uh, Trust me, you got plenty. There's no seats. Uh, it's <laughs> endless seats. So you don't have to worry about what you can do it now. You can do it later. But get to foiequip.org, who sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. Well, Steve, um, I'll end with this here because we got to get to the news. But it says this, and uh, he will confirm a covenant with many for, se- uh, for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed uh, decreed is poured out on him. Um, and so, again, the idea that the Antichrist comes in, um, he establishes some type of peace agreement with Israel, um, a rebuilding of a temple for the for the tribulation period. But in the middle of it, we understand from Second Thessalonians from Paul, that the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, will get into that temple halfway through and will claim himself to be God, which is what is the abomination of desolation. Of all abominations. That's right. Yep. He will claim to be God himself, and in doing so, um, that is what will lead to the second half of the tribulation. And the the writers in the New Testament are constantly picking up on this theme from Daniel seven, uh, Daniel's 70th week, that there is a division that happens between the first half of the tribulation and the second half of the half of the tribulation. So all of that is again rooted right here in in Daniel's 70th week understanding that division that takes place within that week, three and a half years, three and a half years. You know, Chris, in verse 24, we know what the 70 weeks are given for and we went through them. Wonderful things, put an end to sin, no transgression, uh everlasting righteousness. But then when you get to the nitty-gritty of these 70 weeks, The 70th week is not good. Uh, Not good at all. I mean, it's terrible. Uh, But it has to happen in order to bring about what Daniel prophesied would happen. In God's program, the idea is to end what really happened in the garden. That's what verse 24 is talking about. Getting rid of the transgressions, the iniquities, bringing in righteousness to uh, see how God in Genesis chapter 3 promised the seed of the woman. In Daniel chapter 9, we see the seed of the woman coming in as king, rejected, crucified, resurrected, and telling us that at a future time, before he comes, these things have to happen in order to accomplish the big plan that God has. It also shows the connectedness between the cross and his second coming. Uh, his death, burial, resurrection, and the second coming. A lot of times I think we can separate these two, but they're actually, they go hand in hand with one another because Jesus had to die on the cross so that we would be spared from, by believing in him, he forgives forgives us of our sins, his blood cleanses us, we are forgiven, and we are saved. And the question is always, well, what are you saved from? You're not just saved from your past sins. You're saved from the judgment that's coming when the King of Kings returns, which is his second coming. 
And so you need you need that saving. That's what you're being saved from. You're being saved from the wrath to come. And that's what uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. So a lot of times I think people go, oh, this is, look at, let's celebrate Easter now, everybody. Uh, let's celebrate Christmas. Oh, and then the Jesus is coming back. And we kind of separate all these big, th- you know, these, these uh, uh, important parts of who Jesus is. But really the reality is Christmas plays right into Easter and Easter plays right into Jesus' second coming. Uh, all of them are very important to putting an end to transgression because what actually puts an end to transgression and sin and all of it? It is when Jesus returns and puts an end to all and of it. And he brings with him righteousness. 100%. He is righteous. What a day. What a day. All right, people. Well, listen, why don't we get to the news? Steve, you found some great ones. These are all from the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig, our sage, our <laughs> Jewish sage. Um, I like this one, Steve, because this is what we hear all the time on the streets when people are protesting against Israel. Uh, we heard about it. We were just eating Goldie's uh, in here a couple days ago, or some falafel salads. And the reason we went to get Goldie's falafel salads was because the night before, uh, the Palace, pro-Palestinian protesters were out there screaming about genocide to the Palestinians and how uh, this restaurant that's Israeli could could support such things. But the reality is, is that, see, a genocide means you're killing people and they're going down in number. But the Christian population is growing in Israel, says the Central Bureau of Statistics. Three quarters, 75.3% of Israeli Christians are Arab Christians, and they make up 6.9% of the total Arab population. So that's really, really important to see that Israel's Christian population is really the only population that's growing in Israel right now, Uh, or in the Middle East. uh, The Christian population has been on the rise for at least two years. In 2021, the population grew by 1.4% to 182,000. And in 2022, there were about 2% growth to 185,000, according to CBS. You know, it's interesting, Chris, that I just read today that uh, uh, Hezbollah shot at a church. Yep. And it was an abandoned city because of war, but they shot at a Christian church, and there was one man in there. Uh, I think he was a priest. 13 Israelis went in to help him, and Hezbollah was watching, and they sent in another another missile. Oh, you're kidding. To attack them. So when people talk about all these terrible things that Israel's doing, nobody's talking about what Hamas is doing, using children as, as uh, shields, Hezbollah. There, there was no military value to that building, none. There was nobody there except one person uh, who was at that building, a Christian. And they fired at him, watched it, and drew the Israelis. Why? Because the Israelis' view of life is much more sacred. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's true, much more sacred than the way Hezbollah or Hamas views it. Well, it should also be noted, too, that the Christian population in the Middle East is dwindling. It's it's bupkis. It's n- nothing compared to what it used to be. Um, especially within the last, uh, you know, a hundred years. And so Israel is the only state in the Middle East where the Christian population is going up and not down. Um, Even if you think about it, if you want to do a little microcosm, we've talked about this before, Bethlehem used to be under Israeli control prior to the Oslo Peace Accords. Chris, I went there in 1982, and it was 80% Christian. Yeah, huge. In 1982. Today, it has about 5% Christian. Yeah, and so you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself the question because a lot of people go, "Oh, look at that was Israel. Israel did this. Israel did that." Well, then why is the Christian population in Israel growing? But it went from, like you said, in 1982, it went from 80 percent down to single digits uh, uh, within 20 years or so. Um, and Israel didn't have control of the land at that point, and so after the Oslo Accords. So, you know, it, again, the Bethlehem is a microcosm of what's going on in all of the Middle East when it comes to Christians, but not in Israel. That's important to note. That's very true, very true. All well, right, go ahead, what's, Steve. Uh, the, I'm piggybacking on that. Uh, we have uh, the Times of Israel article, Inside Story, The Safest Place to Be Jewish. Where's it? Where's a safe place to be Jewish, Chris? 2,600 people have moved to Israel since Hamas invaded. That's amazing. 2,600. 2,600 have arrived. They're new arrivals. In fact, 
you read some of this, they're saying, oh, they're bombing there. Let's go. Anti-Semitism is increasing. I'm going to Israel. That's, That's what, what happened. Yes. I just saw a video of, do you know the, the actress Deborah Messing? <laughs> yeah. She's a Jewish uh, woman herself, and she was in Israel showing support. And she just said, I feel like I'm at home right now. You know, uh, the whole interview, um, the she's just going, it's amazing being here. So she's there after October 7th showing support. And she just goes, I feel like I'm home right now. I feel like I'm home. So again, it, if you just stop for a moment, Stephen, you think about the migration patterns of the Jewish people since World War II. And you think about the fact that Israel wasn't even a state at the end of World War II. Uh, most of the Jewish people lived in Eastern Europe at that time, and of course, fell to Hitler. Six million Jewish people died. But all of a sudden, migration starts happening out of the out of Eastern Europe. And by the time you get to 2023, uh, the vast majority of Jewish people live in two places. The most, I believe, today live in Israel. Correct. And the the other half live in America. So the but that reality is crazy to me to think about the fact that. Within 80 years, the vast majority of Jewish people up and moved to Israel, uh, and it continues to grow, which is just mind-blowing to me when you think about the migration path in 80 years. You'd think that would take hundreds and hundreds of years, just like that overnight. Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, they're moving. They're, they're moving. moving. That's right. But here's what it says. When Yonah and Mikael decided over the summer to move to Israel from their home in France, they set a target date for around a year later. In time for their eldest son, David, 15, to begin his studies for Israel's matriculation exams. But after the murderous Hamas invasion of Israel on October 7th, they sped up their plans to immigrate, known in Hebrew as Aliyah. The straw that broke the camel's back, Jonah said, came a week after the attack in which terrorists killed 1,200 people, mostly civilians, and took 240 hostages in Gaza, when the family who were when the family, who wear identifiably Jewish symbols, were spat on by a group of rugby fans while walking down the street in their hometown of Marseille. I was in total shock. I didn't know how to react. And that's when they decided to move sooner mm. than the year. Mm -hmm. And that story is being played out, not by the millions, Chris, but by the thousands. And it is happening during a war. Yeah, I find that fascinating. I, I totally agree. Well, the last one, Steve, do you mind if I read this Not letter? at all. Go. All right. Well, we only have a few moments left here. And it's a great letter. This is uh, from Breitbart, and it says, uh, a letter from fallen Israeli reservists to parents. Quote, I felt honorably for my people. I have no regrets. Here's a letter that um, a the Sergeant First Class Yosef Gitarts, a 25-year-old, a reservist who volunteered to fight against Hamas after the October 7th attack, uh, wrote a letter to his father and his mother, and this is what it said. Dear Mom and Dad, I love you very much. Everything as it is as it should be. I chose this path for myself. I lived a good and interesting life. Nevertheless, I have never been afraid of death. I made this choice myself, followed it through to the end. I fell with honor for the sake of my people. I have no regrets. I could have chosen not to come here and to hide, but that would contradict everything that I believe and value and who I consider myself to be. Therefore, I had no choice, and I would come to I would have come to done the same thing if I had to choose again. I made this choice myself and followed it to the end. I felt honorably for my people. I have no regrets. I love you very much, and I am proud that you are my parents. You have given me so much. I had a very interesting, rich, happy, and unique life. My death only underscores that. You are surely in great pain, but you will overcome it. I really wish for that. Uh, for that, both of you have been uh, have many people close to you who will support you. Please find something positive in all of this. Be with your grandchildren. Help Israel. I'm okay. Wow. That Can you imagine a, getting that letter? I could not imagine that. He obviously thought through. I don't know if every soldier does that kind of thing, but. He chose to write that letter uh, in, in the event of his death, and it did take place. And Chris, we know we have friends of ours, colleagues, uh, who are fighting, who are on the front lines in Gaza, and they don't want to die, uh, nor did he want to die, but they do want to defend Israel and fight for their homeland. Yep, and he didn't even, he was a reservist, he didn't even have to go in, but... Um 
You know, it's that I, I, I there is just a difference between the an Israeli mindset. You know, it's I don't think he's a I don't think he's unique in Israel. Not at all. And, and so I mean his I'm his letter is incredibly touching. Um, I think he carries the spirit of many Israelis uh, who have already fought for their country. He's gone through the military. Um, he's already left the military. He's a reservist at that point. Um, but you carry something deep within you as an Israeli. It doesn't matter what your political perspective is. It doesn't matter what your religious perspective is. You're an Israeli, and so fighting for your country is very important. And uh, and so he did, and he suffered. Um, he, he passed the ulti- away. He paid the ultimate price. But, Chris, the fighting there is a lot different than even the veterans that we have in this country in that they're fighting in the same landmass. So you and I are in New Jersey. It's as though the front line was by the Delaware River, 100%. which is not very far from here. In fact, we know parents of folks in the IDF who, at a break, they take some sort of break and they bring them food and snacks and warm clothing and yep. and socks and do their laundry yep. and bring bring it back to them. While the war is going on, the mindset is completely different it's just, than what we it, it, we do. It's just like the David and Goliath story when Jesse tells David, "Go take your brothers some cheese and whatnot exactly. and bread and give it to them. Find out what's going on out there." And he, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we go. Yiddish word of the day, Steve. This one's on you because you found it, my friend, and I, I am thankful did. for well, that. Well, we had. If you heard Chris about uh, 15 minutes ago, he was going through so many sevens. 70 Aye. this and 70 times 7. So, Zabetsik is 70. 70. Zabetsik. Zabetsik. All right, 70. 70. So, remember Zabetsik. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, you- I can't. <laughs> Zabetsik. <laughs> if you can't remember 70 times 7 or 62 or 70 or whatever. Zabetsik. Zabetsik, 70th week of Daniel. We have a great hope, Steve, that's coming. The Lord Jesus is going to return. God Thank said God it. we don't have to do math to get in. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Lord, for doing the math for us. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Just a fresh reminder, FOI Equip sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. So be sure to stop over there, foiequip.org. And while you're there, register for all of our upcoming classes. We've got Sarit Katz from Camera coming on, talking about whether or not Israel controls the media, question mark. We've got Ty Perry in February, who's going to be talking about the dry bones coming back to life. We've got Dr. Randall Price coming up. Steve and I are going to be doing a Passover. You can register for all of those classes by going to foiequip.org. Hey, thank you so much. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We love you all so much, all seven of you, and we'll see you soon.